This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Dead ahead, it's off to the Old West to enjoy another episode of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart. This program was first aired in 1953, and it's entitled Red Lawson's Revenge. In just a moment, you'll hear James Stewart as the six-shooter, just one of the many great stars brought to you Sundays on NBC. Every Sunday, hear Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy in The Marriage, Sir Lawrence Olivier on Theatre Royal, Lawrence Tibbet with the Golden Voices, Helen Hayes, Frederick March, Rex Harrison, and Lily Palmer on the NBC Star Playhouse. All of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as the six-shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl, its handle unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as The Six-Shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. Now, in just a moment, immediately following this important announcement, you'll hear Act One of The Six-Shooter. Meet the safe driver. If you know what makes him stay alive on the highways, you may be able to follow his good example. He always keeps his car in A1 mechanical condition. He shows courtesy for other drivers. He knows that speed is his greatest enemy. And most important, he knows and obeys the laws. Remember, few accidents happen with safe drivers. Are you one of them? Now, Act One of The Six Shooter. Starring James Stewart. I hadn't seen Mary and Dan for pretty near three years, not since I left the panhandle. So I figured as long as I was riding up through the Platte River country, I might as well swing out of my way a piece and look in on them. Now, we'd been real good friends for a long time. It was kind of like going home. And the closer I got, the more I kept thinking back, remembering, kind of daydreaming. You know, riding across prairie flats sort of does that to you. Your horse, he 
kind of finds his own trail mostly, and you just slouch easy-like in the saddle and listen to the hoofbeats, study, regular. Things you haven't thought about for years sneak into your head. Anyhow, I, I still had a day to go, and I, I was watching out for a good spot to bed down when I saw this campfire up ahead. Well, the way I figure, human beings are always better company than coyotes, so I gave Scar a flick with the reins and headed up toward it. Whoa, easy now, boy. There we are. Easy. Wow, howdy. Hiya. Uh, you, uh, you'd rather camp private? Well, climb down. Pour yourself some java. Well, thanks. Easy, boy. Whiz, that smells good. Yeah. You, uh, any notion about how far it is, Walnut Creek? Oh, 20 miles or so, right? That where you're going? Yeah, yeah, I stopped over there. A couple of friends there I haven't seen in quite a while. Uh-huh. Yeah, a fellow there I ain't seen for a while, neither. That's all. Uh, hey, by George, there's good coffee. Yeah, I've been hunting him for over three years. Finally located him. I'm gonna kill him. Uh-huh. Uh, how come? Murdered my kid brother four years ago in Laredo. Shot him down in the street. Yeah. Well, another killing won't bring him back. Oh, nothing will bring him back. And after I killed Dan Mailer, nothing will bring him back neither. Dan Mailer? That's right, Ponce. Huh? Yeah, I know who you was. As soon as you rode up to that fire and I got a look at that gun of yours. Britt Ponce. The fellow they call... A six-shooter. Well, you must have known I was a friend of Dan's. How come you told me all this? Well, I figure you'll warn him. And that's fine with me. I want him to know. Have time to get scared, you know. Maybe try to run away. I like it if he runs a while first. I'll catch up with him. You tell him that, Ponce. You tell him Red Lawson's coming to kill him. There's nothing he can do about it. Well... Thanks for the coffee. Easy, boy. Now, Lawson, I reckon Dan won't run. I'll be seeing you. Come on, boy. Come on, son. That's the trouble with the past. There wasn't only good things in it. Got some bad ones, too. And one of the bad ones was reaching out for Dan and Mary. I didn't know this fellow Lawson. I didn't know what he was talking about, but I did know Dan. And I knew if he killed somebody back there in Texas, it hadn't been murder. It was long about middle of forenoon when I rode up the dirt road between the rows of cottonwoods, turned into the yard... Old hound dog came charging around the side of the house, sounding a lot meaner than he looked. Oh, boy. Oh, Scar. Here now. Here now. Now quit it. Yeah, you don't want to bite anybody. Ah, uh, nice fella. Uh, go on. Tell him you got company. Go on, boy. Go on. Go on. The place had a good feel to it. Quiet. Peaceful. And then I remembered Lawson. Brit! Brit Ponson! Brit! Oh, I just can't. 
can't believe it. Hiya, Mary. It's been a long time, hasn't it? <laughs> Dan, come on up and see who's here. Hurry. He's been working in the barn fixing up one of the plows. How are you? Hey, you sir? haven't changed a bit, Mary, unless you're a little prettier than Oh, oh you're oh, right. You're <laughs> Hiya, Dan. Son of a gun. Oh, you stayed away too long. Well, things came up, Dan. You know how it is. Yeah, yeah. You, you're sure looking good, both of oh, you. Oh, feeling good, too. Settling down is what does it, Britt. Yeah, she took a good saddle man and turned him into a poor plowman. What do you think of that? That's not true, Dan. <laughs> You've got the best stand of corn west of the Omaha. What's really great, though, Britt, is peace. Peace? Mm. No more gunfighting, the range wars. Never knowing whether Dan would come home sitting up in his saddle or tied onto it. That's all in the past now. Why, Dan doesn't even wear a gun anymore. And that's the way I want it, Britt. It's the kind of life I want from... Oh, have we got a surprise for you. Oh, well, you, you know, I... Kind of hard to surprise, you know. You remember? <laughs> That's what you think. Come on inside. Now, don't you tell me that. Oh, no. oh you'll see, uh, Fred. Let's see. Let's see. What a good way. One of those newfangled player pianos, is oh, that it? Oh, no. A piano. That's the most ridiculous guess I ever heard of. Well, it sure couldn't be anything that... that, that Look. Hmm? Well, I'll be darned. Well, uh, well, well, I'll be... Well, I'll be dog. Gone. It's a baby. It's a baby. Well, which which kind is it, Mary? Not it. He. Hmm? That's oh. young Brit. He'll be a year and a half old next month. That name was Mary's idea, Brit. I sure wouldn't have wished it on him. Well, well, <laughs> well, I'll be doggone. Oh, he's all upset. Hasn't had his nap out. Rich will have to look him over later. You and Dan go on outside now and let me quiet him down. Oh, sure, Mary. I can't have my namesake all upset. Are you hungry, Brit? Oh, you. I'm always hungry. You know that, Mary. Good. Got some buttermilk cornbread in the oven. Be ready in a minute. You know, Brit, Mary is right. This is a good life. I never thought I'd settle down and like it, but I sure have done it. Yeah. Yeah, Dan. Uh, I guess Mary can't hear us out here, can she? No, she can't hear us. Why, what's the matter, Britt? I met a fellow on the trail last night, Dan. Name's Red Lawson. Lawson? Says you shot his brother in Laredo about four years ago. Lawson. Kurt Lawson. Yep. Yeah, I did, Britt. He was one of the Bracken gang, that bunch of rustlers that pulled an ambush on me when I was working for the Circle J Ranch. Well, I... I guess I better dig out the shooting irons and go after him. No, wait a minute, Dan. Wait nothing. He's probably holed up in town. The odds will be better if I go after him instead of waiting for him to come to me. Yeah, but what about Mary? Well, that's just it. If I catch him in town, it'll keep him from coming out here. And... What about her, Britt? What do you mean? Well, she's happy now, Dan. She figures this kind of thing is all over and done with. Well, she'll sure find out different if he comes out here gunning for me. Well, maybe he won't, though. Maybe, Dan, maybe I can do something. Britt, I've always fought my own battles. But you've got Mary now. You've got the baby. And you're a lot faster with a gun than I am. Is that what you're trying to say? No, no, Dan. I, there are just other answers besides killing, that's all. But maybe we can find one any way we can try, can't we? I saddled up Scarbet early the next morning and rode into town alone. Figured I'd have a talk with the sheriff. 
After all, this was his job when you come right down to it. Well, he wasn't in his office at the county jail. He was out of town for the next three days. So I walked down the main street trying to figure out what to do. I, this wasn't much of a town, Walnut Creek. There's a couple of blocks of clabbered buildings, a boardwalk along the front of them, sheet iron awnings up over, and nothing much stirring but the dogs. Sleepy, quiet, real nice and peaceful for everybody except me. Fred! Huh? Oh, Oh, Mary. Oh, come on now. Oh. Well, you were certainly an early bird this morning. Well, Mary, does Dan know you came into town by yourself? Well, I don't know, Britt. I'm in alone every day or two. Why shouldn't I? Something wrong, Britt? No, no, no. I just wonder, that's all. Actually, I think he was too busy to notice I'd left. You know what he was doing? Cleaning his gun. You're a bad influence, Briss. Well, I... I think you've started him thinking about things... Well, Ponset, how about it? You give him my message? What? Lawson. Mary, uh, I'll... I'll see you later, huh? Well, all right. Well, now, there there ain't no need of the lady. No. Uh, goodbye, Mary. I'll see you later, huh? Well, all right, Briss. If you say so. Giddy up. Come on. Come on. Mary, huh? Dan's wife, maybe. I hear he's got a kid, too. Yeah, maybe you hear too much, Lawson. And talk too much, too. Maybe you don't ride enough. Well, I'll ride. I'm through here. When I get even. Yeah, but Dan told me about that. Your brother tried to ambush him. He was in with the Bracken gang. That don't make no difference to me. He was my brother. Dan Mailer was in my place. He might feel the same way. Maybe I'll give him a chance to feel the same way. Now that I know he's got a wife... Kid, now, Lawson, if you touch me, or yeah, yeah, I kid. know, I know a lot. But once I've done what I come here to do, I don't care what happens afterwards. You, Dan Mailer, can make no move until I do. You see how it stacks up, Ponce? I got all the cards. He turned his back and he walked off down the street, and I stood there watching him go, knowing he was right. He did have all the cards. There was only one thing in the world he wanted. Revenge. And he didn't care what it cost to get it. Even his life. Dan and I couldn't move first. And afterwards, it'd be too late. We'll return to James Stewart as the six-shooter in just a moment. When it's entertainment you're after, you'll find the very best on this station of the NBC radio network. Thursday night, for example, you'll hear Robert Young, Roy Rogers, Ralph Edwards, and Eddie Cantor, each with a great program for your listening pleasure. Robert Young on Father Knows Best, a program based on the assumption that the man of the family can put one over on the wife and youngsters. And Truth or Consequences with Ralph Edwards. When Ralph sends a contestant off on a consequence, It usually ends up as one of radio's funniest stunts. And if you like Western songs and adventures, you'll find none better than the ones you hear on the Roy Rogers Show. Then, to top it all off, hear the little-known stories of show business that Eddie Cantor tells on Show Business Show each Thursday on the NBC Radio Network. 
two of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. I found Mary finally at the general store, and I stayed with her while she bought some things, and we headed back to the farm. Just like a woman, she was curious about the fellow I'd stopped to talk with, wondered why I hadn't introduced her. I had a real hard time stalling her off, but I managed to. With Dan, it was different. Dan? Are you in there, Dan? Yeah, come on in, Britt. Been cleaning my guns. Oh, forget it, Dan. There are better ways. Yeah? You got one figured? No. No, not yet. I saw Lawson in town a while ago, Dan. Oh? You talked to him any? Yes, yes, I talked to him. I reckon you better stay close to Mary and the boy. Why? What do you mean? What do you mean, Britt? Did he say anything? No, not exactly. He saw Mary in town. Why, that dirty... Well, I didn't let him talk to her, Dan. She wondered about it, though. She'll probably ask you later. That settles it, then. I hadn't even thought of that side of it. Britt, I'm going after him. You wouldn't have a chance, Dan. You're selling me kind of short, ain't you? No, I, I don't mean it that way. A Lawson wouldn't draw even if you called him. That's not what he's after, don't you see? You'd have to kill him in cold blood, and I don't think you could do that, Dan. No. No, I couldn't. Not even Lawson. What are we going to do, Britt? watched. The day passed. No sign of Lawson. Nothing happened. But instead of feeling easier, we just got more keyed up. Mary didn't seem to catch on anything was wrong. Then supper was over and the night started to come on. We just sat around talking while Mary got the baby off to sleep, singing to him and rocking him. But Katie did start chirping close. Way off toward the hills, the coyotes took up and answered them. Inside was sort of quiet and gentle. I think he's finally gripped it off. Yeah, yeah, he looks sound asleep. Just look at him lying, completely helpless. He's so lovable, you could just eat him up. Well, I suppose he'll get himself some hair and teeth someday. Maybe look a little more human then. Dan, it's a fine way to talk about your own son. That's when I heard it. Sound outside. A horse stamped just one or two times. Like somebody was holding too tight a rein on him. Scar and Dan's stock were all in the corral. Over next to the barn. This was right up close to the house. I didn't let on to Mary or Dan. What's the matter, Bruce? You getting rested? Hmm? No, no, I, I, uh, oh, uh, it's too many years on the trail, I guess. I, you know, I think maybe I'll amble outside. I get a little fresh air. Well, watch out for the coyotes, Blit. They grow them big around here. Dangerous, too. Yeah, yeah, I'll keep an eye on Coming out of the light that way, as blind as a bat. I stopped on the porch. I waited a minute so I could get used to the dark. I stood there listening to the sounds coming out of the night. The katydids. The coyotes. Then I heard it again. I moved around the corner of the house. It was all quiet. No 
sign of anybody. I drew fast and fired at the line. Then I could hear a horse getting away. Rich! Rich, you all right? Yeah, Dan. I lost him. He got away. Rich, what in the name of heaven were you trying to do? Are you all right, Mary? Small thanks to you if I am. That first shot didn't miss me or the baby by more than six inches. Well, I'm sorry, Mary. I Well, there was a coyote out there, and I, I didn't realize... Didn't realize, you fool! You might have killed us both, and you didn't realize... Stop it, Mary. Britt was... No, no, no. No, she's right, Dan. It's my fault. I just didn't think, that's all. Britt, I think you've worn a gun so long it's beginning to affect your mind. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Look, I, I, uh, I think maybe I'll ride into town for a while. Nobody minds. I'm, I'm awful sorry, Mary. I'll, uh, I'll see you later. Hmm? I ought to go with him, Mary. Why? After a fool trick like that, he ought to be alone. Nobody should be around him. It isn't safe to be. Oh, you don't understand, Mary. You just don't. Yeah. Well, let's go back in the house. Yeah. What? Let's all go back in. Dad. Lost. Why, why, you... Easy, Mayla. You see how it is. Gun ain't pointed at you. One crazy move and your wife will get it. All right. Let's all go inside. Go on, move. Oh. A nice place. Yes, sir. Real nice place. At a storeroom over there? Mayor. Yes. All right. Get inside, both of you. I said get inside. Come on, Mary. Ah. I'd have to hold you. Huh? saddle on him. I read Lawson hadn't left that farm at all. I get this. I'll probably get this door open. Rip! Where is he? There's nobody here, Dan. The baby! What? Where's the baby? I don't know. Dan! Lawson was here. He waited for you to leave and locked us up. He kept coming over to the storeroom door telling us what he was going to do. He said he'd burn the house, all kinds of things. He couldn't have got away. He was here just a minute ago. And he has the baby. Rich! Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's got to come over here to the barn to get the horse. Huh? Grab your gun. Come on, Dan. Stay come here, on. Mary. Don't come out of the house. He's got the baby. This won't be easy. I know. I can't figure why he waited. He had all of us. I, I can't figure it. Yeah, he's waited three years. He just wanted to enjoy it, that's all. 
All right, come on. We'd better separate. No use making it easy for him. Right, Bridget. Hold it. Right where you are. The moon came out from behind the cloud. I could see him now standing right in the barn door, right in the open, like he wasn't afraid of anything. And then I saw why he wasn't afraid. He was holding a gun in his hand, not pointing it at us, though. It was aimed at a little bundle squirming in the hay behind him. I reckon you can see how things stand. One move and it's all over for the kid. All right, Mailer. Drop your gun. I'm the one you're after, Lawson. All right, you got me. How about leaving Mary and the baby out of it? I killed your brother. They didn't. Hey, you'd miss him, though, wouldn't you? I guess you'd miss him real bad. Who are you? you... Hey, hey. Careful, man. Dan just stood there. Helpless. Hands up in the air. The moon was out full now. I knew I could get a clear sight on Lawson, but I didn't dare to draw on fire. I'd still have time to jerk that trigger. The gun muzzle was about three inches from the baby's head. All right, Ponce. Move on over next to Mela. I want you both where I can see you. Go on, move. I walked over and stood beside Dan. Four years, Mela. Four years I've been dreaming about this. Now it's even better than I thought. I didn't know you'd have a family. I didn't know I'd get the six-shooter along with you. It's our fight, Lawson. Why don't you leave the rest of them out of it? I had a brother one. Four for one makes a pretty fair payoff. I kept watching his gun. It was the only chance. If it swerved for one second, I'd make a play, but it didn't swerve. The time was running out. And then... Then I caught something from the corner of my eye. Just the bare flicker of it. It was over in the... Over at the side of the house. It, it was Mary. I made my draw. Lawson! Here! Why you... You dropped your brick. Now make sure, Dan. I know we've got to make sure. Oh. Is that sure enough for you? Yeah. Dan, the baby. Is he all right? Yeah, he's all right, Mary. Oh, thank you. Mary, if anybody had told me that you could do what you just did, I... Here now. I don't know. Even... You mean after the way I've always felt about guns? And after you tried to keep all this from me? Well, I... Dan told me all about it when we were locked in the storeroom. Oh, there now, darling. It's all right now. Red, I saw what was happening out here, and I remembered the rifle, and... Well, after all, I... I mean, there was nothing else to do. All right now, darling. All right. About three days later, I said goodbye. But I knew I'd be coming back that way someday. Dan and Mary aren't just the kind of friends a man forgets. Dan and a tough cowpoke from the range country all settled down and lightened. And that Mary, she was gentle and sweet, firing at a killer to save a baby's life. And that baby, you know, naming him Brett the way they'd done, you know, that, that, that gives you kind of a funny feeling having a baby named after you. It's kind of a good feeling. I, I figured I'd probably be telling the boys all about that when I got to Wyoming.
truce in Korea doesn't mean we should stop writing letters to our men and women in service. Mail from home is just as important now as it ever was. In some respects, it's even more important. The action, the strain, the anxieties of war can keep a soldier's mind occupied. But when the letdown comes, the time to relax, that's when morale needs a shot in the arm. Your soldier knows the shooting is over. He's done his big job, and now he wants to get home. But unfortunately, there's still a lot to keep him for a while. So don't let him down. Help keep up his morale. Write that letter today. The Six Shooter is an NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burst. And today's transcribed story was written by Les Crutchfield. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture Thunder Bay. Others in the cast were Shirley Mitchell, Leon Ledoux, Paul Richards, and Barney Phillips. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam. And the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious. And any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. Hal Gibney speaking. Stay tuned for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. They met in 1945. Uh, Lewis, a young comedian at the time, both performing at the Glass Hat Club in New York City. They uh, debuted at Atlantic City's 500 Club, July 25th, 1946, when Lewis suggested to the club owner that Martin be a good replacement for the scheduled singer who was unavailable. Duo not well received. The owner, Skinny D'Amato, threatened to terminate their contract if the act didn't improve. Well, Martin and Lewis disposed of pre-scripted gags and began improvising. Martin sang, Lewis, dressed as a busboy, dropped plates and made shambles of Martin's songs and a mockery of the club's decorum. They performed slapstick and delivered vaudeville jokes to great fanfare. Their success at the 500 Club led to a series of well-paying engagements along the eastern seaboard, culminating with a run at New York City's Copa Cabana Club. They were together 10 years to the day. And now let's enjoy the boys as they welcome actor Peter Laurie. It's the Martin and Lewis Show! The National Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed from New York, The Martin and Lewis Show. Our guest star tonight, Peter Laurie, and featuring Flo McMichael, Roger Price, Ed Hurley, Dick Stabile, and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin. I wish I knew the name of the girl in my dream, so I could change her name to mine. And Jerry Lewis. I wish I knew the name of the girl in my gym. Jerry. <laughs> All right, so I made a boom boom. <laughs> 
turns a right into a wrong, bright as the night brings happiness to me. Makes me luckier than throwing a seven, takes me nearer to heaven than anyone's allowed to do. When your heart is talking, I feel like I'm walking on a cloud. Someone like you someday I'll find. Someone I can boast to. Somebody to hug while I'm bugging the rug to snuggle up close to. And whenever I do, do you know the who? Who I'll give the most to? You pray on my mind, stay till I find someone like you. Someday I'll find someone I can boast to. Somebody to hug while a bug in the rug to snuggle up close to. And whenever I do, do you know the who? Who I'll give the most to You pray on my mind Stay till I find Someone like you Dean and Jerry have just received an urgent message To see their manager, Speedy Smith, immediately And right now, we find them walking down the hall of his office building In the heart of Broadway's theatrical district all right, look, here we are at Speedy's office now. Before we go in, let me look at you. Well? Okay, I guess you're neat enough, but I sure wish you'd start putting on some weight. You're about the skinniest guy I ever saw. Look here, Dean Martin. I won't stand here and have you talk that way about me. I'll have you know I weigh 118 and three-quarter pounds. 118 and three-quarters, and that's with clothes on, huh? What do you weigh stripped? I don't know. I'm bashful. <laughs> about how skinny I am. Oh, I'm not picking on you. Now, if you were smart, you'd... Jerry, don't try to tell me how to be smart. Do I tell you how to be stupid? <laughs> What's to tell? Well, what are we standing here arguing for? Let's go in. Speedy's messy said it was urgent. Oh, yeah, let's go in. Oh, hello, Mr. Martin. Hello, Mr. Lewis. Well, hiya, Florence. So you're working for our manager today, huh? We're supposed to see Speedy right away, Florence, and it, it's something important. Well, he's got another client in there now. But in the meantime, maybe you can help me with an awful problem. Speedy bought me this new filing cabinet today. What's your problem? I don't know where to plug it in. <laughs> plug it in. Florence, you don't plug a filing cabinet in. You wind it up. <laughs> Gee, Dean, listen in there. Speedy's sure boiling out some client. Listen. And in my opinion, I don't blame the circus for wanting to fire you. You keep forgetting your act, and that's the first thing you're supposed to do. Don't forget anything. Now you got one more chance, so get back there. And above all, don't forget anything. <laughs> Gee, Dean, did you ever see such an unhappy-looking elephant? <laughs> Come on, let's go in and see what Speedy wants. Hello, Speedy. What's so important that you have to see us in such a hurry? 
Yeah, we rushed right over. I'll tell you in a minute, boys. Relax. Let's get our feet up in the desk. Come on, sit down. Okay. Okay. Ouch! Jerry, you're supposed to sit down first, then put your feet on the desk. <laughs> well, boys, I've done it. A big manufacturer phoned me a while ago. He likes your program and might sponsor it. Now, I believe in you, boys. I've studied you. You got talent. Why well, I know you backwards. Well, come around front sometime. We got talent on that side, too. Come on, now. Let's get down to business, boys. Let's get down to business. Look, I want you to go out and call on this man and convince him you've got the program he needs. Get his name and address from Florence and go see him right away. Okay, let's go, Jerry. Hey, Florence, will you give us the name and address of that big manufacturer who's thinking about sponsoring us? Oh, sure. I just filed it alphabetically. Alphabetically? Sure. You know, by numbers. <laughs> What's the name and address? That's what we want you to find for us. We want... You're kind of silly, Mr. Lewis. You better watch out or they'll put you in the bobby hatch. Bobby hatch? Florence, it's not bobby hatch. Bobby Hutch. <laughs> Florence, please get the name and the address you put in the file cabinet. Oh, sure. Well, let's see. It could be... Uh, no... Well, maybe I... <laughs> That'd be silly. <laughs> or it might be... Oh, no. What are you trying to figure out, Florence? How to open the drawer. Here, Florence, I'll open it for you. There. Florence, will you please try to remember? My goodness, that's it. When you mentioned Bobby Hutch a while ago, I made a file for him, and I put the man's name in there. See, here it is, Mr. Price, 35 Waterbury Road. That must be his country estate. Well, thanks, boss. Come on, Jerry, let's hurry. We'll jump in the car and be there in a few minutes. <laughs> now, Jerry, watch what you say. This Mr. Price can certainly afford to sponsor us. Hey, look over there under the trees. That must be him swinging on the hammer. Yeah, and he must be as eccentric as Speedy said. Look how he's hanging on the bottom. <laughs> Say, you must be Mr. Price because we've heard how intelligent and distinguished you are. We're Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Well, well, where'd you boys come from? The stork brought us. <laughs> Jerry, that's not what Mr. Price meant. Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> Say, I guess your manager told you that I'd like to sponsor you. Uh, what do you manufacture, Mr. Price? Well, it's my family's secret formula. Have the formula right here, secret C. Got it right here. X plus 2 over the square root of pi plus CN3HO4 times 3.677 equals Y. Yeah. What does the formula make? Orange marmalade. So that's your product, huh? Orange marmalade? Yes, it's wonderful. Made from 100% pure prunes. <laughs> Orange marmalade made out of prunes? I wish I knew what to call it. I got it. Strawberry preserves. <laughs> good, good, good. Mr. Price? Yes? Are you for real? <laughs> oh, Jerry, please excuse me, Mr. Price. And could we talk uh, with you about sponsoring our show? Uh, Mr. Lewis, who's this fellow with you? Oh, he's my partner, you know, Dean Martin. His singing is wonderful. I'm very interested in singers, Mr. Martin. My favorite is Bing Crosby. Don't you admire Bing Crosby? Who? 
You know, Dean, Bing Crosby, the man you imitate when you're trying to sound like Perry Como. <laughs> Gee, Mr. Price, it would be wonderful if you'd sponsor our radio show. I will, if some changes are made. What? Change our show? Oh, no, we couldn't do that. Well, now, 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 don't be hasty. You see, I spend a lot of time studying and analyzing human beings. You study people, huh? People, too. Now, take the average man. Now, what is it the average man wants? An average woman. <laughs> I like you. You're jerky. <laughs> Mr. Price, how about our radio program? Well, now, as I see the picture... Uh, you should do a mystery program. My wife insists on it. You see, my wife loves mysteries. My wife sits home every evening with her ear glued to the radio. There's no glue handy. She uses thumbtacks. But, Mr. Price, we do a comedy show with songs. Now, I'll tell you, if you'll do a mystery program, I'll sponsor your show. But, Mr. Price... My word is final. It's a mystery program or nothing. Well, Dean and Jerry were really discouraged about their chances of getting a sponsor until a few minutes ago, walking down Broadway. Dean, look at that sign on the Paramount Theater. Hey, it reads Peter Laurie opens here Wednesday. Say, if we only could... Don't say it. Cross your fingers. Let's try to find him. Well, this is it, Jerry, the Warwick Hotel. Yeah, wouldn't it be swell if we could talk Peter Laurie into helping us out? Then we'd have our sponsor. I only hope we can get in to see Peter, Laurie. He probably even never heard of us. Maybe not, Dean, but wait until he finds out that I'm a big fan of his. Gee, one time I took my girl to see Peter, Laurie, in a picture. He was so sinister and so menacing. When I came out, I had the creeps. Well, it must have been even worse on your girl. Nah, she was a creep to start with. <laughs> well, let's go in and see Mr. Laurie. Well... Here's Peter Laurie's apartment. Ring the bell, Jerry. Jerry, what's the matter? Who's afraid? Oh, I'll do it. There. Dean. What? Let's go home. <laughs> Gee, Mr. Laurie'd never help a couple of nobodies like us. Oh, come on, brace up. Yes, what is it? I'm Dean Martin, and this is Jerry Lewis, and uh, we just got to go in and see Mr. Lorry. I'm sorry. I'm Mr. Lorry's personal secretary, and nobody can see him. Let me, let me handle this, Dean. I gotta be stern with her. Okay, good. Be stern. All right now, miss, you listen to me. Yes? Um, <laughs> uh, um. What is it? Um, uh. Yes? Will you marry me? Do you really want to see Mr. Laurie enough that you'd propose? <laughs> Don't laugh. If we can be engaged, I'll give you my secret corn kicks ring with the plastic glass covered compass and the secret message sender and decoder and the patented peeperscope with the atomic disintegrator attachment. Would you really give it to me? Sure. Come on. Help me lift it out of the box. All right, Jay, that's enough. Look, miss, we got to talk to Mr. Lloyd about helping us out on our radio show. Oh, Mr. Martin, I love your singing. I admire your act so much. I'm the star of the act, miss. And your wonderful reviews, Mr. Martin. I'm his assistant. 
I'm Lewis. I'm on records, too. And the way the crowds come to see you at the Copacabana, Mr. Martin. I'm there, too. Yep. Good old Jerry. I do a few tired funnies in between Dean's songs. And you're so appealing to women, Mr. Martin. I wish I was dead. (laughs) Oh, I think you're kind of cute, too, Sonny. Miss, are you sure that Mr. Laurie can't see us today? Well, you're taking a horrible chance. Mr. Laurie hates to be disturbed at tea time, and especially when he's so hungry. Well, thanks, but we'll take a chance. Mr. Laurie? Wow, wow, wow. Two nice young ones. Come in. Well, uh, I hope we didn't disturb your cup of tea, Mr. Laurie. What are you drinking there? Green tea or orange pico? Oh, oh, no, neither. I have a weak stomach. It's arsenic. You drink arsenic? Yes. Uh, always when I can't get Drano, you know, Drano. Oh, now it comes, it comes you know, six delicious flavors. Sure, strawberry, raspberry, orange, lemon, and bathtub. Now, uh, what was it you wanted to see me about? Well, I'll come right to the point, Mr. Lawyer. I'm Dean Martin. This is my partner, Jerry Lewis. Uh, We'd like to have you come on our radio show and, uh, you know, do a mystery. Huh? You want me to come on your radio program and do a mystery? That's right. Isn't it mysterious enough already? (laughs) Please, Mr. Lawyer, we've got a great chance if you'll help us out. It means an awful lot to us. We can get a sponsor if you'll only say yes. Well, you see, I wouldn't mind helping you out, but uh, what would I do on your show? Oh, you know, play sinister characters like you do in your pictures when you're acting. Acting? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's silly. What makes you think I'm acting? No, no, I'm like that all the time. You're like the Peter Laura you play on the screen? It's not just acting? It started all when I was a little boy. My mother, she used to make me wear Lord Fauntleroy suits and long golden hair curls. Oh, I was so cute, you know. Yes, I, I can still hear the people when they say, when I walk down the street on a Sunday morning, look, there goes that little rat who burned down the city hall. Dean, I'm not happy. Let's go. No, no. No, you must stay. You, you must hear me out, you see. Well, my, my work in pictures has only aggravated my tendencies. You see, everyone has criminal traits. Everyone? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, just think, as a boy, didn't, didn't you have some bad habits? Not me. None at all? No. Oh, but now that I think of it... Yes? I did have one. Yes, you see, you see. What was it? Uh, did you go around scaring your little baby brother? Oh, no, worse than that. Yeah? What did you do? I used to sneak pussy willows into my room and pull their tails off. Now, come on. Please, let's be serious, boys. You came here seeking my help now, didn't you? Now, let's see. What, what can we get for you? Uh, oh, yes. Well, it should be something nice and gruesome, shouldn't it? Uh, oh, I have it. My diary, huh? It tells of an incident which happened here in New York City several years ago. And, and you, Jerry, you, you remind me strangely of, of he who was my assistant. 
Long last, I've found the perfect criminal accomplice. For years, I've been looking for someone to hypnotize into committing my murders for me. Yes, he had to be somebody with no principles, no character, and a weak mind. <laughs> I trained him for weeks. Finally, finally, my stooge was ready for his new career. I put him under my spell. Come now, look into my eyes. There, you are now completely at the mercy of my will, aren't you? Yes, master. You are going out now to rob a bank. I will, master. And if necessary, you are going to kill. I'll do that, master. And even if you see some pretty girls, you won't mix with them. I won't mix, master. Now, now, what should I do, master? I want you now to take some TNT and go to the Chase National Bank and blow it up. He left me. I waited for an hour anxiously. This was his first job. Where is he? He should have been back long ago. Hello? Hello, master. Louis. Why, why aren't you here with the money? Did you blow up the bank like I said? Master, I made a terrible mistake. I accidentally dropped some taboo into the TNT. What happened? Now Chase National is going steady with Irving Trust. <laughs> and so it went, failure after failure, but I didn't give up. I, I needed Louis for this special job. And Louis, tonight is the payoff. Tonight at nine, I have a date with Mrs. Van Schuler, the owner of the million dollar Ming necklace. Let's get started. What a surprise this is going to be for Mrs. Van Schuler. <laughs> Well, Louis, here we are, here we are, the Van Schuler estate. Come on, we'll go in through the front door. I'll open it. All right, you're covered. Get your hands up, both of you. Higher, higher, higher. Please, my feet are off the floor now. <laughs> you, 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 Louis, you caused this, you clumsy, stupid, blundering idiot. I taught you everything I knew because I liked you. I fed you because I liked you. I made you what you are today because I liked you. But now, now, I, I hate you. All right, if that's the way you feel, take back your fraternity pin. <laughs> That was wonderful, Mr. Lawyer. We'll all do a mystery show together. Jerry, now we've got a sponsor. Oh, 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 wait, wait, just a minute, boys. There's a little detail. You see, I, I personally, I'm tired of all that horror stuff. I, you see, from now on, I, I want to be gay. I, like a disc jockey. <laughs> A disc jockey? Yes. But if we're going to get a sponsor, we got to have one of those gruesome programs. Oh, wait. Believe me, Jerry. Believe me. You know, Peter Laura is a disc jockey. It'll be pretty gruesome. <laughs> well, uh, the least we can do is try it. I'll tell you. You two cook up something while I knock off a number. Mr. Stabile, a little background, please.
This couldn't happen again This is the once in a lifetime This is the thrill of I This never happened before Though I have prayed for a lifetime That such as you Would suddenly be mine Mine to hold As I'm holding you now and yet Never so near Mine to have When the now and the here Disappear What matters dear Doesn't happen again We'll have this moment forever But never, never Come on, while you were singing, Mr. Laurie and I got a terrific idea for a disc jockey program. The Sunshine Boys. This is the way our theme will go. You gotta keep smiling, 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 smart. What did you drop out for? I forgot the words. Yes, folks, we're on the air. The Sunshine Boys, Dean, Jerry, and Pete. And now a short message from the makers of Sploop. <laughs> Folks, have you tried Sploop? Sploop, the breakfast food that makes you wish it was lunchtime. Ah, <laughs> uh, and remember, folks, Sploop doesn't crackle, burst, pop, or explode. It makes no noise at all. But when you pour the cream over it, watch it. It bites. <laughs> yes, and Sploop contains the new miracle vitamin, Flebo-flavored. <laughs> It won't cure anything, it won't fix anything, and it won't make you feel any better. In fact, it even saps your energy, gives you that run-down feeling. So next time, ask for Sploop, the breakfast food for people who don't want to be champions. And now for our daily problem corner with Dr. Peter Laurie. <clears throat> what is our problem today, Dean? Well, here's a letter picked at random. Dear Dr... I am a woman weighing 195 pounds. Mm -hmm. I, bought a, I bought a new girdle last week, and I get into it all right, but I have a terrible time taking it off. What should I do? Oh, well, that's easy. Just tell her to snap out of it. <laughs> a poem entitled, Mary, Mary, Quite Contrary, How Does Your Garden Grow? Vigoro, next poem. <laughs> A 
little robin redbreast sat on my windowsill. He was a beam of sunlight as he sang his little trill. He sang so sweet and looked so gay. No one could ever hate him. He was nature's work of art. Gee, I'm sorry that I ate him. <laughs> well, folks, the next portion of the program is brought to you by the makers of Sludge Glow, the new shampoo for bald-headed men. It contains that new secret ingredient, hair. <laughs> get the large 150-gallon jar of Sludge Glow. When you get through with it, you simply fasten wheels on it and presto, it's a new Studebaker. <laughs> well, we have a request to sing that new hillbilly tune, Drop Dade, Little Darling, Drop Dade. Hit it, Dean. Drop Dade, Little Darling, Drop Dade. I need you like a hole in the head Get lost and get you gone I'm no longer your Don Juan Drop dead, little darling Drop dead Drop dead, little darling Drop dead I need you like a hole in the head You're like an awful dream And if you come back, I'll my drop dead, a little darling, a drop dead. Drop dead, little darling, drop dead. I need you like a hole in a head. I'll take your pure white neck and I'll break it too by heck. Drop dead, little darling, drop dead. Peter Laurie, you were wonderful. And uh, I hope we'll have the pleasure of working with you again soon. Oh, Jerry, stop crowding me. There's not room for both of us in this phone booth. I want to hear what Mr. Price says when you talk to him about how much money he's going to pay us for the show. Well, he hasn't even answered yet. Gosh, Dean, we're on our way. We got a sponsor just like Bob Hope and Bing and Fibber and all the big timers. Hello? Uh, Mr. Price, this is Dean Martin. Jerry and I are just calling to, uh, you know, set the salary for our show. Show? Sure, the one we just did for you. Wasn't Peter Laurie great? Wasn't it full of mystery and horror and suspense? Show? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Price, didn't you hear it? Uh, no, I didn't. The funniest thing happened. I couldn't listen. Had no radio. <laughs> you had no radio? No. My wife went shopping... And the radio was still glued to her ear. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bye. Bye. Well, Jerry, we got to keep punching. Even if we haven't got a sponsor, we still got the show. Yeah, Dean. See you next week. Bye. Bye. The Martin and Lewis Show, transcribed in New York, is produced and directed by Robert L. Red and written by Ray Allen, Dick McKnight, Roger Price, and Sid Resney. Peter Laurie will soon be seen in the Hal Wallace production, Rope of Sand. This is Ed Hurley, suggesting you tune into your NBC station each Sunday evening at the same hour for The Martin and Lewis Show. Yeah!
Thank you very much for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.